Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who brings us comfort through God's holy word. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so as I mentioned before the service began, tonight throughout the season of Advent, uh, we will be reflecting on how we are prepared in our heart and in our life to meet and to be received by Christ. And in that, we'll be reflecting on how the word of God that is preached to us brings us to Jesus. Because it's the word of God that causes us to see him. It's the word of God that causes us to know him for who he is and what he does. And it's the word of God through the work and power of the Holy Spirit that kindles faith in our hearts. This theme happened to coincide with one of the lesser-known festivals of the church here, as we have St. Andrew's Day. It's when we remember that disciple and apostle of Christ, Andrew, the younger brother of Peter. Tonight we heard about Andrew's calling from the Lord Jesus. Andrew had already been a disciple of John the Baptist, and John was the last prophet sent to speak of the promises of the coming Messiah. He was raised up by God to prepare the way of the Lord. And how does he do this? Well, he was to preach. John preached the word of God. He did so with zeal. He did so with fervor. He did so with understanding of what we read in our lesson from Ezekiel. That it was his calling, it was his duty to call his neighbors out from sin. But also, it was his calling and his duty to point to the one who delivers sinners. As we think about this, we think about John's preaching, it always begins with that call to repentance. John called sin what it is. He called a spade a spade. He had even the nerve to tell people to knock it off. Stop doing it. Why? He, he spoke to everyone, especially those who were considered untouchable. He soldiers. And he preached to publicans, he preached to kings, who ended up hating him, and even to the scribes and the Pharisees, the holiest of the holy people amongst the Jews. No one was immune from being called out by John. It didn't matter what sin it was, John pointed it out. He warned his neighbors. He revealed their sin. He pointed out the flaws in their thinking. It could have been anything from self-righteousness to extortion. It didn't matter. John would point it out. And then John would tell people what to do. As we see from the text, it said, he said, Therefore, to the crowds that came to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath of come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, cutting out that self-righteousness. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Imagine if I started a sermon like that on a Sunday morning. I'm pretty sure if a pastor started the sermon like that, saying, hey, you're a brood of vipers that God is going to uproot and cast into a fire. I know, um, if John were a preacher today, he'd probably be uh, ringing up groceries at Smart and Final. Yet the Spirit bore witness 
to John's testimony. It was not John's word that was being preached, it was God's. And that word that John spoke had the power to kill and to make alive. As people heard John's call to repentance, many were cut to the heart. Being made aware of their sins, they desired repentance. They wanted deliverance from their sins, and they wanted to stop doing what John had pointed out to them. They were baptized by John into a baptism of repentance, and they would ask him, Hey, Brother John, what should we do? John was, you know, bold enough to tell them what God's will was. He said, whoever has two tunics is to share with the one who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers asked him, What shall we do? And he said, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations. Be content with your wages. And in this way, John was somebody who preached living in righteousness living in civil, worldly righteousness. He called out sin, and then he told sinners how to be less sinful. Yet John's not just another teacher of morality. He's not a teacher of earthly uh, uh, righteousness. There was an end and a hope to what he's proclaiming that went beyond just be sorry and do better. And this is where he points to Jesus. Just before our reading today, John is standing along the shores of the water where he was baptizing people, and who would happen to walk by but Christ himself? And that's when he points to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in those words, John gives an answer to every sinner who is alarmed by John's preaching of the law. It is Jesus, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. And everyone who heard John's preaching, everyone whose heart was cut deeply by John's preaching of the law, they were very keen to find this Lamb of God who would be slain for their sins. And one of those who heard was alarmed over his sins, who was looking for this lamb, was Andrew. Andrew heard, and he saw John as he pointed to Jesus. And what does Andrew immediately do? He leaves John behind and starts following Christ. It's almost comical how we read about it in the text. It's almost like he's a lost child or a stray puppy. Andrew and the other disciple who's with him just starts following Jesus wherever he goes. And he and the other disciple followed Jesus so closely and ardently that Jesus had to turn around and say, What do you want? Who are you seeking? And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus, as the text says. And Jesus turned and saw them following them and said, Who are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In other words, can you imagine that? These men who follow Jesus, as Jesus asks them what they are seeking, they in essence say, well, we want to be wherever you are. They wanted to be where Jesus was. They wanted to stay where Jesus was staying. They wanted to know this Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus does not deny them. 
What does he say? He says, come and you will see. Follow me and you will know. They went with Jesus and they heard him. They saw the Lamb of God. They beheld their long-expected Messiah. And upon meeting him, they were overjoyed. And what does Andrew do after leaving John, following Jesus, meeting him, sitting with him in that afternoon? He runs to his brother Peter. And with great joy, he says, We have found the Christ. We have found the Lord's anointed. We found this Lamb of God who takes away the sin. You've heard what John had to say about our sin. You've heard what John had to say about the axe being laid to the root of the tree. You've heard what he said about the fire that's unquenchable being kindled for all the sins that we have committed. That Lamb of God's here. The one who strips away the sin of the world. The one who frees us. Come with me. Come see this one. Who John pointed out. Come see this one who we have heard speak and teach today. And he brought Peter to Jesus. He brought his brother to the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So what are we to make of all this? What do we see at work for the sake of bringing these men to Jesus? But it's the word. It's John's fiery message of repentance and his clear proclamation of who this Lamb of God is. His pointing Jesus out for the simple who might not have noticed him. This brings Andrew to Christ. And not Andrew only, but Peter, who hears Andrew say, we have found the Messiah. This clear teaching of what sin is and who the Savior is brought men to Jesus. These men were made aware of the great love and the work that God was doing for them by becoming flesh to be our Lamb of God. These men understood the severity of their sin, but they also understood God's mercy for sinners. They knew that they needed saving, and they knew that God was merciful to save them because they knew the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now imagine this. What if John softened his message so that he would seem more culturally sensitive? Or what if John chose not to speak about certain sins? What if John would have, out of fear or respect for those in higher office set above him, would not call men who are in authority of him to repentance? What if John would have said that sin was bad but left out the part where God judges sin in wrath? What if he would have chosen to admit that part about that Lamb of God? What if it was just a moral message of be sorry and do better? Would Andrew have been convicted? Would seeing Jesus have given him hope and joy that he experienced? Would he have been bothered to tell his brother Peter about Jesus the Messiah? And when we think about this, to admit part of the message would have brought the whole thing down. It would have cheapened the whole thing. John would have said, hey, behold, the Lamb of God, he's over there. And Andrew would have said, oh, that's nice. Well, I better go and see a guy about giving him a tunic. Do you see what happens? When we leave out part of the story, the whole house comes tumbling down. Failure to teach sin drives people away from Jesus. Failure to call people to repentance creates faithless brutes who care nothing of God's will. Failure to preach the gospel 
creates either helpless or hopeless or self-righteous individuals who are so inwardly focused that they cannot possibly see the need for Jesus. Yet this is what happens all the time. As men, in their weakness, are afraid to tell the whole story. They selectively leave parts out, either by human weakness, ignorance, or even devilish malice to cause men to forget about sin, or to forget about the gospel, to forget about the judgment of God, to forget about the mercy of Christ, to forget about the loving act of the crucifixion, to forget that Christ has risen from the dead, to forget about the last day of final judgment. It could be any reason... They might say, oh, the world hates us for saying something socially unacceptable. Or our children might resent us for talking about God all the time. Or our friends may resent us for pointing out evil for what it is. Pastors fear losing their calls, fear losing their livelihood. Men fear losing respect from other men. Parents fear losing love and admiration from their kids. Yet when men succumb to this fear, the fullness of the gospel is lost or muddled in a way that people actually end up missing out on the Lamb of God. They're not prepared for him when he stands up in front of them and everyone points and cheers. You can even see that in so many in the world who celebrate Christmas. It's acceptable occasionally to sing the carols, to eat the food, to buy the gifts. It's even acceptable to show up for a quick church program at the, you know, on that somewhere around the week of Christmas. The Christmas music is blasting in every store, yet so often the real nitty-gritty of the gospel is lost. You have the cute baby in the manger, but you don't have the man who dies for the sins of the world. You have the beautiful children up front singing the songs, or you, you have the wonderful family get-together where people eat way too much ham and potatoes, but you don't have the reminder that we are sinners in desperate need for forgiveness. Folks come to the end of December with more junk, less money, and bigger bellies, but it becomes rarer and rarer for people to come out of December with a deeper fear of God and a broader wonder at the love that God has shown for us in the gospel. Well, why? Well, they're blinded to the whole story. They miss that part where they're sinners standing before an angry and offended God with no hope within themselves of being saved for the wrath to come. And they're left in signal ignorance or self-righteous delusions. They do not hear, they cannot see when John points and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And yet we also praise and thank God for his mercy. We thank the Lord that this is not what happens with Andrew and Peter and the other disciples. We thank and praise God that this would not happen to us. They were not left in ignorance. The word was preached to them. And as we read in the epistle lesson, Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You see, God will not let his word fall silent upon the earth because his desire is for men to believe in the gospel and be saved. And so what does God do? He sends out preachers. He sends out men to serve as pastors in the church. 
He sends out people to speak like John the Baptist, but also with assurance, hope, and boldness point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He also sends mothers and fathers to be proclaimers of this same word to their children. He sends Christians out into the world to do what Andrew did and say, we have found Jesus, come and see him. Just as we read in our epistle, it says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jews or Greeks, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so we rejoice for faithful pastors who are called to preach publicly. As they have their pulpits, as they shepherd the flock, as they stand as those who have been set as watchmen by God to warn sinners, but also to comfort them with the gospel. Yet not everyone is called to do exactly that. Yet they are not the only ones who can speak the word of God in love. Husbands and fathers have their wives and their children. Mothers have their spouses and children. Christians have their friends and their neighbors, and they can show love to them by saying, we have found the Christ. Let's go see him. They can show love by pointing out the Lamb of God and excitement dragging them to where Jesus may be found. And for us today, Jesus is found in his word, in the blessed means of grace. He's present for us there and what he has promised to poor sinners. The word of God proclaims the whole story. God does not leave the uncomfortable parts out. He gives us the fullness of his law. He tells us what will happen to those who will break it. God's not afraid to offend our sensibilities. And he's not concerned about making us feel bad about ourselves. His desire is for us to be saved. He's not weak in his love for us either. He's not slow to point us to Christ. And Jesus has not put us to shame. Because just as those who are alarmed by their sins, when they see Jesus, are overjoyed, just like Andrew and the other disciple who followed after Christ like little school children, following somebody that they can't believe they found, or a puppy finding someone who he believes to be his next owner, Jesus did not spurn them. He did not kick them away. He did not throw a rock at them. He said, come and see. He's not slow to call us to faith and what he would do for us. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that message filled Andrew with the desire to be near where Jesus is. He wanted the Lamb to be the Lamb who takes away the sin of Andrew. And the same goes for us. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of Jacob. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. 
He is our God incarnate, come to be that perfect cleansing sacrifice for our sins. And we are freely called to be near to him. We are freely called to go to where he is staying. We are freely called to dwell in the word of God in all of the ways that it is given and provided to you. Live your life, dear friends, hearing Christ preached to you. Let the law accuse you. Let it do its work. And let the gospel comfort you. Let it bring you joy. And please, by all means, bring your children. Bring your spouse. Bring your family. Bring your grandkids and whoever else you can to see him and to know him. Come and see him. He invites us through his word. Know now that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you send out preachers of your word to convict sinners and to point them to Christ. Allow all those who are comforted by the gospel of Christ to confess what they hear from you so that others are drawn to come and see Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.